Good morning and welcome to Seneca Community Church on Live. Um, obviously, we did not expect that we would be doing this two weeks ago when we started talking about uh, the impact of the coronavirus. And so here we are doing it online. Uh, glad that you're tuning in this way. Uh, just uh, on the onset, uh, the message guide is going to be available online with the blanks filled in. And this week, what will happen is we will be uh, putting out a few questions um, every day, Monday through Friday, rather than the traditional think it over section. We'll have a few questions shooting out to you. Uh, if you're interested in receiving those and you don't get the pulse already, uh, please go on to the church online. You can find my name, uh, shoot me an email, and then we'll make sure that you're on that list to start receiving those or give me a call or whatever, however you communicate with me. You know, I really appreciate that last uh, song that Mike sung about for a couple reasons. It reminds us that really this is the Father's world, that God is in control, even though it doesn't feel like he's in control. Uh, there's moments where we know that mentally, but we don't feel that emotionally. And uh, all of us can think about that, again, intellectually, but when it comes down to emotionally, we want to fill in the blank with something. Uh, this is my father's world, but uh, where are you when this happens? Uh, some of us right now are facing a, a no job. Uh, we were done on Friday. Uh, some of us are facing lots of kids at home, and how are we going to navigate that? Uh, some of us haven't been in our house for more than 48 hours in a row ever, and now we're, in a sense, in there uh, trying to do our part and lower that curve, flatten the curve, uh, so that others don't uh, get the coronavirus. So uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a tough time and for us to be thinking about where God fits in and how he fits in. But I think as you look outside and you see even spring starting to unfold, I know it's cold uh, today, it was really warm on Friday, but uh, as you start to see things unfolded, you're reminded that God is present. And today, as we take a look at uh, a passage that's familiar to many of us, I hope we walk away thinking and realizing that God is present, and that affects our hearts, and that affects our souls, so that we can take it day by day. Again, as we've already said, if you are uh, needing some assistance, needing some help, uh, please reach out to the church. Uh, reach out to me at Dave uh, S. at SenecaCommunityChurch.com, and uh, that, that email should be up on the screen, too, and we'll try to see if we can help you. Also, we've had a number of people offer to help with groceries and such, so please keep letting us know about that, and the minute we uh, have a need that we think you can meet, we'll uh, be contacting you, so I really, really appreciate that. Again, it's a somber time, but it's also a time to uh, not get way, way down. We still are living. Uh, things can still be good for us. And uh, some of us, again, thinking about being in quarantine, uh, might feel like this gentleman. Again, I got a, I've been getting a lot of little text messages and such, but some of us might be feeling like this gentleman. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A quarantine with your wife and child or B B B, B. not even a, a second thought uh, B 
B, B. Also, I uh, received some uh, pictures to help me out when you're speaking to an empty room. It can be a little weird. Uh, and uh, I got this one, and you can see all these individuals out there trying to spur me on, if you will. Then also, after last sermon, talking about uh, rhythm, and if you didn't get a chance to see that or hear that, that's available online, but talking about rhythm, I had people pointing out to me that this uh, young girl who attends our church has a lot more rhythm than I do, and maybe I should uh, take some lessons from her. does seem to have the moves. I definitely could learn a lot from her. So we'll see what happens uh, June 19th when my daughter gets uh, married. Well, let's uh, open our time in prayer, and then we'll get into today's passage and today's uh, series. Grace Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time together. Uh, we thank you that we can meet even though we can't meet in person. Uh, we're thankful that the church is more than a location. Uh, the church is people, and we already are hearing stories about people stepping up and stepping into situations and helping the best they can. And Lord, we would ask that we would be the church, and in those moments where we can point to you, even if it's just with a calm spirit in a time where it's not so calm, or it's actually getting out there and helping someone with groceries or whatever, we ask that all of those activities, all that peace would absolutely point to you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So as we start to think about Jesus on and we start to think about all heart, uh, I'd like you to start off with thinking about this thought. In the midst of the darkness, our God is at work. And if we lose sight of that, it will dramatically impact the way that we live in times like these. If you and I are at a place right now where uh, we're letting the darkness just crowd us in and lose sight that God is still at work, God is still doing things, it will dramatically impact the way we live in times like this. As we look at times like this, and we've said it a few weeks ago, we need to think about our obstacles actually turning into opportunities. And even now, I, you know, I would encourage you, uh, you have more time to get on the phone, to text. I would encourage you to reach out to people and make sure no one's falling through the cracks. Uh, we've been trying to do that as a church family, and uh, I'd encourage you to do that organically on your own. And you'll find that you brighten somebody else's day and the fact that the Lord put that person on your heart just to reach out, to send them a text, to call them, to email them, to FaceTime them, whatever that is, uh, will just encourage them and they will be reminded that God still is at work even in times like this. And also, I have found that as I'm, in a sense, reaching out and trying to connect with others and, and point them to Christ, it lifts my spirit. So I would encourage you uh, to think about doing that. Now, in our passage that we're looking at today, uh, we're going to jump down and start off in Matthew uh, 6, uh, verse 22nd. Those verses will be up on the screen, the 22nd and the, and the 23rd. Uh, verse, and we'll start off with this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, 
if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And what we're going to see is this passage, these two verses are in a sense a linchpin for the verses uh, prior to that. And what we're trying to look at and trying to see is that this is the bottom line. The idea that's um, coming out here is this. Seeing God in the world changes the world we see. So we're saying this is my father's world. We see God in nature, but also seeing God in the move, the way people are responding, the way people are rolling up their sleeves and helping others. Uh, We start to realize that uh, we see God is on the move. So seeing God in the world changes the world we see. And all of a sudden, we're finding ourselves having these God moments where we say, yes, he still is alive, he's still working, he's working in people's hearts and moving them along, and I'm getting to see God working through someone else's heart. And when we also think about him seeing and us seeing and all those kinds of ideas, we need to realize that throughout this, uh, all these passages that we've looked at in the um, Sermon on the Mount, there are these little moments where God sees us, And we have to see a verse like this. This is the tail end of it. It says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the idea here isn't as much the reward as that God does see us. You see, God sees what you and I are doing in public. And he also sees what we're doing in secret. And the question, again, is do we see him? Do we see him? Do we see him working in situations all around us? Uh, Some of us want to have life so buttoned up that we can figure out what the next two weeks, three days, five days. But reality is when we're living one day at a time, there are places, there are people in our world that it is a one day at a time thing. And for most of us, for most of us, even with the quarantine, even with all these restraints we feel, uh, we're finding that uh, we've, we've got days out, days out. And again, if, if you need food, if you need help with something, uh, there, are, there are a bunch of people willing to step in and try to help you with that. So the question is, do you see God's hand in that? Even this week, as I was with a bunch of other people and we were bringing uh, food to Waterloo High School students, uh, just seeing the way people were working with them each other, seeing the sparkle in their eye, uh, it just reminded me that God was doing a work in those people that were gathering to to serve uh, their community. So the question we've really got to decide is, what are we seeing? That verse prior, verse 23 and 24, basically saying, what is your perspective? What is your outlook? We read, we either see the world through a lens of light or darkness. We either see the world through a lens of light or darkness. And really, when it comes down to this, for those of us who have said yes to Christ, this is a choice. This is a choice. Am I going to look at the day before me, no matter how overwhelming it feels, am I going to look at the day before me with eyes of light or darkness? Am I going to see the darkness everywhere, or am I going to see those very real God moments where the lightness is breaking through, where it is is shining through. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates verses 23 and 24. He says it this way. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation, light to enter your being. So when you and I are uh, trying to walk with God as closely as we can, when we're allowing the spirit to speak to our heart, our eyes are open. Our eyes are open to revelation, and it lets light into our being. 
If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, and this is some of the passage here, uh, distractions, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound would it be, would be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter in? And all of us right now are feeling some of the, just a little bit on the horizon, whether it's our finances, whether it's our resources, whether we were watching our 401s and we're, we're so happy about them and all of a sudden they're tanking, whether it means we don't have a job, uh, whether it means we're trying to navigate unemployment, um, whether it's food, whether it's all these things. And uh, if we're not careful and our focus gets solely on those, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of those things, but gets solely on this, we're going to find that it just brings us down and the light cannot penetrate and the darkness takes its place. So it comes down to that idea of having a choice. Another thought that goes along with this is when we see the world through the lens of darkness, we will live in fear. Or we can put on night vision goggles. And I don't know about you, I remember when night vision stuff started coming out, and I remember we got a, our first video camera, and it had night vision. And the first thing I wanted to do is go into the darkest place I could go and see if I could actually see anything. And there needed to be a little bit of light, but when I turned that thing on, I could see. And I thought that was, that was so cool to be able to see things in the dark. And likewise, you and I, were either going to live in fear, let the darkness squeeze the light out, or we're going to put on some night vision goggles. And when we put those night vision goggles, when we see from God's perspective, and the light starts to shine in, we start to see even when there is darkness around us. Uh, a pastor says this when he was speaking about the same subjects. He says, we're all looking what we can build into our, li- our lives into, that we will add value, that we will add worth, that we will add goodness to it that will increase our enjoyment of the world around us. And so we're all, in a sense, looking for things to bring joy into life, but when we let that focus get off God, when he's not the center of that, it really weighs us down. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy those things. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be aware and feel uh, just a little concern about what's going on or a lot of concern, but it's when that awareness and that concern goes over into anxiety and and panic, and we're all looking for things that add value to us, because no matter who we are, no matter if we're a strong Christ follower, uh, we're new to following Christ, we're trying to figure out whether we should follow Christ, uh, all of us, in a sense, are treasure hunters. And the passage we're going to look at is really about this idea that we're trying to add to our life, build to our life, we're we're treasure hunters. And, And the question is, what kind of treasure are we hunting? I remember when I first uh, met Cindy, and I was in love, and I was a treasure hunter, and I was putting all my focus, all my resources, in a sense, into getting her attention. I'd show up at camp uh, at the flag raising early, and I, just like a little puppy dog, would be there with her coffee, just the way she liked it. Here you go, Cindy. You know, I was treasure hunting. I was was doing everything I could do. Uh, I've told you this before, that I was a craft counselor, which is just unbelievable that I was running crafts. But anyway, I was running crafts, and I would make sure that I ran out of supplies so I could go to the girls' craft place, which was Cindy was working there, so I could get some more stuff, whether it was newspaper, paint, or whatever. I was a treasure hunter. You see, all of us, all of us are treasure hunters. It's, it's built into us. We want to add value to our lives. 
And that's where Matthew 16 or Matthew 6.19 comes into play. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures. The, the idea is that there's an assumption that you and I are going to be doing some treasure hunting. So when you're looking for your treasures, when you're trying to add value, do not store up for yourselves treasure on the earth where moth, vernum, venom, vernum, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. And see, Jesus is telling us that we are going to be treasure hunters. No matter who we are, the question is, what kind of treasure are we hunting for? He pulls out the idea of treasure on earth and the idea that treasure on earth wears out. It just wears out. It doesn't last. Uh, a lot of us have had to replace items, and it gets so frustrating when something doesn't last. And even the things that seem to last uh, don't, don't, don't carry us through. And they will not carry us through forever either. It's going to see the parallel to that. But this idea that treasures on earth wear out, so we need to be aware of that. We also have to realize that treasures on earth get taken. Uh, someone can come in and, and, and take our treasure, take our whatever. Circumstances can take our treasure. Uh, stuff can happen. Um, I know of a family that uh, they had a fire in their house, and, and, and it took their treasure, if you will. Treasure on earth can get taken. And Jesus is trying to say, you're a treasure hunter. You're going to be going after some treasure. It's a part of the human condition. Be mindful of what treasure on earth doesn't do for you. And that brings us to the next one is treasure on earth has false promises, falsely promises. Sometimes we think these treasures, all of us have bought that new item, and they, we think it's going to like complete life, make life sweeter, and maybe for a little while it does, but it doesn't last. Uh, sometimes we find that we see that treasure is going to bring security into our life. And we find that whatever that thing is, it, it, it doesn't last. It doesn't last. If you and I are basing our security on some kind of financial resource, sometimes that just disappears. It's gone. Someone takes it, it wears out, something happens, and it's gone. So we have to be aware of these false promises that treasure on earth, in a sense, make. There's that security that we can rest in it rather than rest in God. Or there's this idea of lasting happiness. Now, I would be being dishonest if I didn't say some treasure gives us moments of happiness, but it does not last. And Jesus, again, is saying, you are treasure hunters. Even right now, treasure hunters. Last week, treasure hunting was toilet paper. People were looking for toilet paper. That was the treasure. And they were just hunting, hunting, and as we know, toilet paper doesn't last. So you've got this idea that it, things do not last. And when we build all our treasure, when we're looking to stand our life now and future on treasures on earth, we have to be aware of it. And Jesus is trying to remind us of that. I love the way the Phillips translation takes a shot at verse 19. It says, but keep your treasure in heaven where there is neither moth nor rust to spoil it, and nobody can break in and steal it. Keep your treasure in heaven. Keep your treasure in heaven, not on earth, in heaven. 
What does, that, what does that look like for us? What does treasure in heaven look like? If we're going to make that switch, yes, we're going to enjoy our world, we're going to enjoy the good things of our world, but we're going to make sure that the things of, of earth, the things that are temporary, they are not our treasure. That's not what we're banking on for the long haul. Our treasures are in heaven. Go back to uh, Matthew 6, where we read, uh, Love the Lord your God. I think it's Matthew 6. 6. Uh, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second, like it in importance, you must love others in the same way you love yourself. That passage gives us an idea of what treasures in heaven look like. Uh, treasures in heaven, our relationship with God, and to realize that our relationship with God is just getting started if we've said yes to Christ in this chapter of life, and then it moves us into eternity. Also, treasures in heaven are people. The difference you and I can make in people's lives, in a sense, sends that treasure along. God valued people so much that he gave his son so that we could have a relationship with him. So treasures in heaven really come back to that great commandment, love God and love others. And when we do that, when that is our focus, when our attention is on that, we find ourselves traveling in that direction going that way, and then the natural response is, is once we're in that path, in that role, uh, moving in that direction, we find that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where we're putting our treasure, where our treasure is, that's, that's where our heart is. And so we have, can have treasure where uh, it's not going to last, and we can have treasure that will last. I love the way Eugene Peterson renders verse 21. He says it this way. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you most want to be and end up being. So the idea going on here is when you and I put our treasure in heaven, and again, that means our treasure is our relationship with God and others. If that is driving our life, that's where our heart is, and that's where we want to be. And someday, someday, those relationships with God and others in the heaven experience, in the new heavens and the new earth, will be completely solid, satisfying, unbroken. We won't feel the waves of that brokenness, even though positionally we're right with Christ when we say yes to him. So we have to realize that wherever our treasure is, that's where our attention goes, that's where direction is. Uh, Sometimes when I'm driving and I'm looking at a house or another car or something else, all of a sudden, city go, what are you doing? And it's because we started to drift. I've started to look at something, and the car drifts. But as long as I have my attention where we're going, the car doesn't drift. We can live a lifetime of drifting depending on where our attention is. And to said another way, we can say it this way, whatever you and I are chasing, we become like. That becomes our focus. That becomes our direction. We become like that. It, it imprints itself on us. It's like the old film, and had, you had a film that needed exposure, and the longer the film was exposed, the more the print would be on that film. 
And the longer you and I are looking in a certain direction, the more the imprint of that gets on our heart. We're told in verse 24, you can't worship two gods at once. You can't have two directions at once. You can't have your eye here and your eye there. It just, it just doesn't work. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. The adoration of the one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. And in Jesus' day, the idea of man and money, all that kind of thing, there was actually the idea that it was a God, and they would actually worship it. We think of it maybe be a direction, maybe a value, maybe be something that's driving our life. But in Jesus' day, there was actually temples dedicated to money. And so they were thinking God and the other God called money. And we can't, we got to realize that when uh, that, even in today's society, that becomes our heartbeat, it becomes our focus. Even for those of us who say where Christ falls, that can become our focus. And even right now, we're, we're seeing it with trying to posture and make sure we're going to be okay, and how much should I share, how much I shouldn't share, I need to take care of myself, and, and back and forth, and I, I, can't, I can't tell you where that line is for you, I can tell it where it is for me, where I need to be generous, where I need to give something away, even though I could need it in the future or whatever. Uh, you need to figure those kinds of things out, but it's really, it really captivates, captivates our hearts. Again, in Matthew, as it starts to unfold and starts to have these ideas unfold, again, this idea of what direction are we going, we see Jesus saying, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is very good for today. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more, more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, it's easy to say when you've got plenty of food. It's easy to say when you've got plenty of clothes. But in Jesus' culture, the people he's speaking to didn't always have a lot of food. Remember when Jesus has to feed them? Uh, they didn't have lots of clothes. They basically had one set of clothing. So when he's saying this, he's saying this to a group that doesn't have much of that. When it's said to us, we're over the top with these things. Doesn't life consist more of those things? Then he goes on and says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. I know I've enjoyed the last few mornings waking up early, and I'm starting to hear the birds outside the windows of the house. And, he, and then it's kind of funny because uh, they don't know what's going on. We're all worked up as human beings, and they're just, you know, it's getting to be springtime, and they're doing their thing, and they're just as happy as could be. And we read that uh, the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grows they do not labor or spin. And Jesus isn't saying, again, not to be aware of those things. He's saying, don't let them captivate you. Don't let them hold your heart. Because when they hold your heart, that's where your treasure is. Let God hold your heart. Let the impact of your life on somebody else's hold your heart. And those treasures are heaven-bound rather than the earthly treasures that only have a shelf life. We read on, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the 
field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those that are far from God, those that uh, have no interest in God, run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Are you feeling the truth of even that phrase right now? That your heavenly Father knows what your needs are. He knows what my needs are. Can I, can I rest in that? Can I trust in that? Can I relax in it? This Sunday, can I just sigh of relief because I know that God knows what I need and I'm in his hands. I trust him with my eternity. I trust him with my salvation. I trust him with my forgiveness. And I trust him with my daily needs. It's all heart. Goes on, says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting, you can't respond to God's giving. When we're so focused on on survival mode, on getting, uh, we, we don't see the way God's providing. We don't see those moments around us. We, we forget that this is the Father's world. We think it's the Father's world because of creation, but the ebb and flows of our life, we're not seeing that. Jesus wants us to relax, not be preoccupied with that, so we don't understand God's, response, God's giving. Most of us, myself included, don't often allow ourselves to get into a position where we really need to trust in God because we got everything wrapped up. So when I get into a place where I actually have to start trusting God for basic things, it makes me very uncomfortable because it's not a normal part of my rhythm. Yet God's saying, don't be too preoccupied. Use this time where our world is upside down and realize that you can trust me. And when things get back to semi-normal, whenever that is, Don't forget that you could trust me in that time. You can trust me in the other times. People who don't know how God, don't know God, and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. And you get to experience him working in your life. I like to wake up in the morning and I'm excited. I have to think that. Get that from my head to my heart, but I'm excited to see how God is going to show up, how God's going to show up in a conversation, how God's going to show up in a text, how God's going to show up in a neighbor just being kind to me rather than me being kind to them. It's just just unbelievable. God is on the move. He's out there. He's working. Don't have to fuss over those things so we know how he works. Verse 33, steep yourself in God reality. God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. Sometimes I think we're worried about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. A lot of evenings, uh, Cindy likes to make a cup of tea, and sometimes I get in on it, especially if there's cookies. And uh, when she makes the tea, I like to get my tea in there 
First, because of two things. First of all, I don't like it hot, so I want it to cool off. But the second thing is I like my bag to, I think it's steep in there. I like to be as strong as possible. And uh, Cindy likes it at a certain level. I like it super, super strong. I like it to steep in that. And God is saying, Jesus is telling us, let yourself steep in the fact that God is real in your everyday life. He's just not insurance for the future when we go to be with him. He's here now. Verse 34 says this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what he may or may not happen tomorrow. Remember maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, we talked about Daniel's three friends at the fiery furnace. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know if this was the end of their life or God was going to deliver. All they knew is that they were in God's hands and they were okay with that. I don't know if they were super excited about it, but they were okay. They were settled in the fact they were in God's hands. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I don't know if you've ever read the book or seen the movie. Now it's ancient. It's probably, I don't know, 30, 40 years old. Uh, the book, The Hiding Place, and the movie, The Hiding Place. Uh, the main focus person in that, besides the Lord taking care of people, was Corey Ten Boone. And if you read through, she, she had to trust God sometimes minute by minute. Not day by day, not hour by hour, but minute by minute. Hard things came on one after another. And this is what she says. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its trouble. It empties today of its strength. Say that one more time. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its trouble. It empties today of its strength. And if you want strength for today, strength for the moment, strength for this new week unfolding before us, you need to not worry. You need to trust. You need to realize that you can see God in the world. And when you see God in the world, that changes the world we see. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the examples you give us throughout Scripture and the examples you give us in our own everyday life and even an example that, uh, like a Corey Ten Boom in the last uh, 60, 70 years. Lord, we ask that you would help us to not let worry tr for tomorrow and the trouble for tomorrow steal our strength for today. We ask that even now there might be somebody that's listening to this message that absolutely needs to see that you are in the world. And we ask that they would get a glimpse of you, maybe even through something in this message, something that was sung. May they see you and may it change the world they see. We thank you for the gift of a counselor of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives when we say yes to you. If there's anyone listening uh, right now and they have not said yes to you, we ask that you be uh, speaking to their hearts and even in this moment they'd be saying, Jesus, God, I, I need you in my life. I want you to make me right with you. I accept your forgiveness. 
I thank you that your son rose again that Easter morning and it changed everything. Come into my life. I need that strength that uh, Corey Ten Boom talked about. I need to be able to place my trust in something that uh, is not weak, that the bottom can't fall out of. And for those of us who have said yes today, yes to you, please renew our strength in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Normally at this time in our service is when we...